The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, and if you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. Today's buzz... This is a long one. Does social media need better parenting? I made that up, but you'll see why. Let me give you a little background before I introduce my esteemed panelists. Social media, what has it done? It's given your customers and your potential customers a very powerful voice that can make or break your brand reputation and impact your CEO's ability to sleep at night. How fast? Bing! in a virtual heartbeat. If you've suffered the slings and arrows of a very public negative rant, or a lot of them, it could have been a purely emotional fabrication or it could have been a real valid complaint. Did you or one of your employees succumb to the temptation to boldly fire back, perhaps where no man or woman has gone before? Hold the presses. Let's evaluate the risks and rewards of regulating everything social. A couple more comments before I bring my first guest on. Think about this. Does regulation mean even more policies for your company to adopt, explain, and enforce? How would regulation impact your employees' freedom of speech rights? Big thing to think about. Should you keep your social mouth shut but then risk the brand promotion opportunities that social affords? A lot to consider. I want to tell you who my panelists are. We're going to hear from them right away. First up is Raluca Druta. She's an HCM analyst at Tech Technology Evaluation Centers, our friends. And she sent me the following quote. Instead of seeking the explanation in a general conception of the law, It seemed to me far wiser to look at the workings of power. I'm going to stop right there and tell you that this is a quote from Michel Foucault, and it's from the Foucault Reader. Raluca Druda, welcome to Coffee Break with Game Changers. How are you today? I'm very well, Bonnie. It's good to be here. Thank you. Talk to me. Why did you pick a quote from the Foucault Reader or Foucault Reader, and what does this have to do with our topic of looking closely at potentially regulating social media? Raluca? Uh, yes, the reason why I chose this quote is because Foucault dedicated much of his work to the understanding of how systems of governance came into being. Mm-hmm. So if we go a little bit back in time and we look at social media, it appears to have come into being as a territory without rules. But I think that if we take a very close look at it, um, we we may notice that it may not be the case because it inherited, um, at least in part, the day-to-day habits of people, mm-hmm. uh, some of the rules, some of the values. And so, you know, in, in this case, we're just talking about the private use of social media. But alongside the private use of social media, there is also the business use. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And when, when businesses started to utilize social media, <clears throat> either voluntary or because they had to respond to customer complaint, so on and so forth, um, I think they pretty much all faced the same challenge, and that was the fact that they had no control over what people were posting about them. And to minimize that, that risk, they created social media policies. And these are, in fact, forms of regulatory measures. Yes. So the point that I'm trying to make here is that if we are to look at social media uh, legislation, perhaps we could go beyond the, the written laws and recognize that both businesses and individual users uh, want the same thing, and that is to be protected, to protect their image, mm-hmm. and also to be respected. Thank you. Very good word, the R word, respect. We want it on both sides of the line. And, yes, we are talking about regulation from the business perspective. Great introduction to our topic, Raluca. Thank you. I know you have a lot more to share with us during the show. I'm going to turn now to your co-panelist, Tim Barker. He's the CPO Chief Product Officer for DataSift, interesting company name. And he has quoted William Gibson, the author. And I'll read the quote, the future is already here. It's just not very evenly distributed. That makes me want to laugh. Tell me, what is Gibson talking about? And welcome, Tim Barker. How are you today? Very good, Bonnie. Thanks for inviting me here. Um, so William Gibson, for those that don't know, is a, is a well-known, well-respected uh, science fiction novelist. And, you know, if we think back to our, ma- our days in uh, school, you think about the maths lessons where you'd sit there and they'd do what would be called the normal distribution. They'd do the distribution curve and the bell curve. And I think really what, what William's talking to is that, um, you know, exactly that, that the future's here. There are people that are already living in it. We just haven't distributed it evenly yet. And I think hopefully through the reason I chose that quote is for today's topic of discussion, we'll perhaps be able to spend some time talking to companies that are already already in the future, that have already um, challenged some of these um, uh, issues around compliance um, and keeping social a human environment. And I think that's something that I'm sure we'll be talking about is how do we maintain a humanity as we start to regulate a very conversational environment. Very well put. Thank you so much, Tim. And Tim, by the way, where are you calling from today? I'm calling um, just outside of London today uh, in a beautiful, rainy, cold day. Well, it sounds a little similar to New York, but we'll get into that a little bit later. We'll actually do the weather report. Todd Wilms, head of social business strategy at SAP. Good friend of SAP Radio. You've been on and off the show so many times, Todd. And you sent me this great quote in the words of... Todd Wilms. I like that. And you said, for an, I wanted to give a big send-up. I don't have any trumpets to blare and to announce you, Todd, but that's the best I could do. And you said, for now, let your company compass be your guide. Ooh, that sounds like a song. Regulation will come, so enjoy the self-regulated freedom while it lasts. I sense an oxymoron in there, Todd Wilms. Self-regulated freedom, really? Talk to me. you got a lot of meat on the bones here, so kick us off, please. Yeah, I think I'm, <clears throat> the way I'm looking at this is is very similar to <clears throat> how some of the uh, the the uh, first two panelists have described this. I think the regulations on the horizon. I think it's coming. 
But for now, um, I think letting your uh, your policies and procedures, your social media policies, be your internal guide, letting your company's ethical um, standards be your guide, should be enough for organizations as they continue to strive to allow their um, their employees and their partners and their vendors to create a voice in social media. I'd hate to see that squelched because we're we've got the fear of regulation on the horizon, especially when it's not here yet. So we talk about big brother, big sister, big mommy and daddy. I alluded to that in my opening, Todd, when I said today's buzz is does social media need better parenting? Of course, I was being facetious, but maybe not. Was I on the right track there? Oh, I think there's there's something to be said for that. I, you know, there's there's plenty of fears. I go and talk to other organizations about how they're growing their social media um, brand presence and how they're creating policies and procedures for their employees to come out from, you know, underneath the skirts of their, their chief executives and start mm-hmm. to have some real conversations with their customers and their audiences. And there's a real fear there about what might happen, what could happen, what's the possibility, what if I say something wrong, what if I go in the wrong direction. Yes. And I, I think if an organization sets some really firm, established policies, again, based on their, you know, their corporate ethical standards, and they define what it is that employees can say and not say, then that should be enough for organizations to move forward and allow these um, great employees to start to find their own voice, their own brand presence, and, and increase the brand and the conversation that's happening in the marketplace. And I think the key word there, Todd, is conversation. That's what we're looking for. And Tim Barker said the word humanity. We're looking for human conversation. That's the value of social engagement, engagement to people engaging in something social. So I think we're all on the right track here. Guess what? I'm going to ask all three of you to tell me something completely off topic, but it's important to us because our show is Coffee Break with Game Changers. You know what's coming. I want to know what's in your cup today. And along with that, Raluca, tell me where you're calling from, what the weather is, and what are you drinking or what do you wish you were drinking? Raluca Druda from Tech. Uh, well, the weather, I'm, I'm calling from Montreal, uh, mm-hmm. the old port of Montreal, actually. The, the weather is pretty bad. It's minus 10 degrees Celsius, but uh, we consider this mild because we've had minus 35, minus 40. Ooh. And, uh, yes, and uh, I am drinking Moroccan tea. Okay. Well, it sounds like it's something that will keep you warm. Uh, we've had uh, minus zero, zero below weather here in New York recently, in case you've read about it. But our big complaint, Raluca, is that we've just had snowstorm number two in less than a week, and I hear there's another one coming over the weekend. So we just don't know what the heck's going on. But hot, a hot cup of tea sounds good to me. Let's turn to Tim Barker at Data Sift. Tim, we already know where you are, and I think you said it's – what was the weather there? Well, I just checked the temperature. Actually, it's in uh, Fahrenheit. It's about forty-eight degrees, so it's quite I'll mild it. winter. But, <laughs> S- but uh, send it over. Yeah. What are you yeah. drinking today? <laughs> well, yeah, I'm going to disappoint you. I'm, gonna, I'm living oh. up to my stereotype. I've got a big cup of British tea there. So, um, <laughs> but of course, I wish I could have a pint, a cold one. But uh, it's a bit early in the <laughs> afternoon for that. Well, we we won't regulate you. We'll let you self-regulate, as Todd says. You can have that pint whenever you want, and you sound great, so do whatever you need to. Thank you, Tim. Todd Wilms, what is in your cup today, right now, or what do you wish you were drinking? Oh, yeah. Well, right now I'm having an almond milk latte. And, you know, Bonnie, almond milk is the soy of a new millennium. 
I like that. I like that historical perspective. You know what? We're two minutes ahead of time. I'm going to just open it up to everybody before we go to our first break and ask anybody have anything else they want to add on just on our introductory section here in terms of social media regulation, humanity, engagement, conversation, self-regulation policies. Uh, Todd, Tim, Raluca, anybody want to add a couple comments before I hit the button and go to break? Uh, sure. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so I think from my perspective, perhaps the most uh, important thing when we all, t- all approach social media education, uh, sorry, social media <laughs> regulations is education, is, is preventive behavior. And I'm going along the line of, of what the other speakers um, said. And, uh, you know, I believe that instead of enforcing laws and uh, monitoring and being a big brother and big sisters for our coworkers, mm-hmm. uh, it would be much more helpful to actually get together and educate each other uh, about some of the consequences of using social media one way or another. Thank you very much. And you know what? I just got a little note here that Malcolm Kimberlin, who is well known to most of us on the show, especially Todd Wilms, <clears throat> Malcolm's my co-producer, and he's our tweeter extraordinaire today. And he told me that he's drinking San Francisco Bay brand K-Cup, which is 98% recyclable. We can all appreciate that out of his Keurig. Malcolm, thank you so much. You know what? I'm going to give Raluca, Tim, and Todd about a minute and a half break to get their thoughts together because I know they're ready to go on this topic. Our topic today is social media compliance, time for regulation. Really? We're talking about risks and rewards of the big R word regulation. When we come back, we will launch into our roundtable. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers. You're keeping count. This is episode number 120. We are live on February 5th, 2014, and we'll be right back. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Brad, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP. SAP Systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. 
Over the break, we decided that Todd Wilms needs more fans for himself and Almond Milk. Todd, I don't know how big a fan club you need, my dear, but really? So Malcolm Kimberlin, who is watching and tweeting and listening, by the way, if you want to join the Twitter party, we're at hashtag SAP Radio. You can all spell that. I just did for you. Malcolm says, hey, Todd, I'm a big Almond Milk fan, too, with cookies. Of course, Malcolm. Now we need to know how many Almond Milk fans do we have. Let's get back to our topic. I'm going to kick off this roundtable, by the way. We're going 30 minutes, no break, so put your seatbelts on, gang. Here we go. Uh, we start with Raluca Druda from Tech. We're going to talk about brand damage. I don't even want to say anymore. Raluca, what are the risks? What are the, the opportunities? Uh, you didn't put in here brand elevation or brand popularity or brand loyalty versus damage. You're just talking about brand damage. So let's get right to it, Raluca. Uh, yes. I mean, the, the reason why I want to talk about brand damage is because it is one of the major concerns that most businesses have. And um, there are many studies that show that, uh, for example, uh, a report from September 2013 by Grant Thornton, um, which is actually discussing social media risks, um, unveils the fact that most participants to, to, to this study are mainly concerned with brand damage. And um, a way to approach, you know, brand damage or preventing uh, brand damage is actually to reason through some of the regulatory guidelines that are out mm-hmm. there. Um, for example, uh, the Federal, Federal Financial Institution Examination uh, Council uh, put out uh, some guidelines for social media and consumer compli- compliance risk. And um, one of the, the things that they state is that the participatory nature of social media can expose a financial institution to reputation risks that may arise when users post critical or inaccurate statements. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that... When faced with such a, a guideline, a company has to reason and realize, first of all, that a critical statement is not the same as an inaccurate statement, and therefore, you know, you, they have to take very different measures. Okay. I want to ask a question to Raluca and Tim and Todd, and I want Tim and Todd to both jump in on what Raluca said here. My question is, when does a company realize they've had brand damage? Is it that first onslaught, that first OMG, really? Did somebody say that of us? What are we going to do? How are we going to, are we going to have a powwow? Are we going to have a meeting overnight? Are we going to send a note to our shareholders that we're still okay? And we didn't do this, and the salesman really didn't say that to the customer. Todd, why, why don't you tell me, when does that first awareness of brand damage come to their attention? What if everybody loves them and they don't know from brand damage? Todd? You know, I think there's a couple of different angles here. One is, what what happens when they're not aware that there's the brand damage? Right? That's, yes. That's one particular issue. Thank they, you. They don't know that the conversation's happening. They haven't been paying attention. The damage is out there, and they're blissfully unaware of it. I think the second angle to look at is, the, to answer your question, the fear of brand damage is there long before the the uh, the application of brand damage ever happens. So I think okay. organizations are very aware that there's this opportunity now that there's this medium of social media out there, and what they what they've tried to do is create these policies and procedures. But they're I think they're concerned that this is going to happen well before there's ever an event, and then 
the events themselves, the faux pas, the the drunken 2 a.m. mistweets that happened by a you know a random social media person, um, mm-hmm. those stories are are well known and regaled across the major media, and brands have woken up to that. They know that that possibility is out there. Okay. I want to get Tim Barker in on the conversation. I'm going to bring in a point Tim sent me before the show. It's perfectly on topic here. Tim said, before we get into details of the regulatory impact for social media teams, here's the kicker. Tim, I know you're going to stand by this one. The state of social within most enterprises today is one of orchestrated chaos. So let's apply that orchestrated chaos. I love that. I'm going to go paint it on the side of a building when the snow clears up here somewhere, and I'll put your name on it. But how does that relate to what Todd was talking about in terms of companies having – how do they respond or what do they think about it? And my question before, Tim Barker, talk to me. Well, I think, um, yeah, just to pick up on the orchestrated chaos uh, quote, um, uh, that comes from, I guess, uh, my reading of some research that Altimeter Research published last year, where they found that upon average, every enterprise owns around 178 social accounts and is used across 13 departments. And in, in the same way, I guess, that organizations have tried to get a single view of the customer, um, companies, uh, customers themselves, uh, can now engage with vast different portions of an enterprise and of course when you've got this uh, a dispersed organization an enterprise with 178 media accounts it's it's going to be very hard to orchestrate a coordinated response to to any um any any online activity because this is happening in real time so I guess, you know, for stage one is a level of maturity. Um, it's, it's, I guess, to some degree, it's recognition of what, uh, what channels you are engaging with. And obviously, some channels are more appropriate for the others. So for um, Twitter, Twitter especially, probably pr- most prominently, is used as increasingly as a customer service channel. Um, Facebook less so because of the private, public nature of it. But... Um, Certainly, I think as, as we try and navigate through how to um, uh, collaborate uh, with humanity with this, there are some interesting uh, challenges that come up. For example, um, typically in order to allow scale of, of service, many uh, organizations will um, create scheduled tweets, scheduled posts. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is you don't know what's happen in the, happening in the world when that scheduled tweet goes out, one that was... Uh, uh, famous here was last year was unfortunately um, there was a horse meat uh, scandal last year and uh, one of the major supermarkets, the customer service team tweeted that, you know, they've had a long day and they're off to hit the hay. And that caused, uh, so a lot of the social media damage can be done by employees themselves really trying to be more productive about the use of social. And so um, I guess to the earlier point that there are two sides of this. There is employee behavior and uh, employee content that's being posted. And, of course, mm-hmm. there's the other side, which is responding um, um, uh, to real-time inbound social comments. All good points. Thank you. I want to talk about – let's do some level setting here. Raluca mentioned something about some regulations. Let's talk about what actually is out there. Who decides? Who puts these regulations out? What companies have to abide by them? Who has to take them seriously? And what are the penalties for not taking the regulations to heart? Who wants to take that? Raluca, you want to, want to kick off since you brought that up? Oh, sure. Um, and I mean along – 
towards IDEA, I'd like to say that, uh, in fact, these regulations come into place to draw attention to companies that they need to have a social media presence in order Mm -hmm. to minimize or avoid completely anything like brand damage or ensure that um, you know, the, the, there's, um, they, they respect employee rights and so on and so forth. Um, and um, in my opinion, I mean, I'm not exactly sure what type of penalties are in place. I haven't researched that. But um, what I think is that once these regulations are in place, then there should be absolute transparency about how the government enforces them, what kind of fines are being given to companies, uh, what kind of litigations are out there so that people become informed and they actually know what to do and uh, they actually learn how, how to implement them. Thank you. Todd, I I know you have an interesting perspective on the word regulation. You say fear is a better regulator than regulations because of the fear of litigation, loss of market share. And I want you to give us the FedEx case study, please. Public ostracizing. Leaders fear it. Managers fear it for their leaders. Employees fear it from their managers. OMG, OMG, OMG. Todd, fear is a better regulator than regulation. Isn't this human nature? Isn't this what we're talking about, all of us? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, you know, here's a here's a great example. You look at a regulated industry like like the financial institutions, and I had friends at a popular one out here on the West Coast, and you know, they were informed by their legal team that any forward-making statements that they made <clears throat> had to have a 120-character disclaimer associated to that. Well, with only a few characters to to work on Twitter, you you can't make much of a statement there if you've got to put a 120-character. Um, um, regulatory statement at the end of that. Now, what they misinterpreted was a forward-making statement was about forward-making statements about the markets or the financial institutions, but they took that quite literally, and the organization, even if they were to say, the weather tomorrow is going to be cold, that was mm-hmm. a forward-making statement. And it, it really quelched mm-hmm. any kind of social media growth for them for a good six or eight months. Now, this is an extreme case, but I use it to bring up this idea of fear, that mm-hmm. if you don't have a handle on what the, the the laws, the rules, or your corporate policies really are, people tend to go to those extreme cases and then not um, in, create that brand voice, create that experience, create that conversation. And so my, my fear with this idea of regulation is that we're actually going to start to hinder some of the conversation because of that fear of what may, might, might or may happen out there. Okay. Todd? What do you, are you aware of any regulations? For example, you work for SAP as I do. Do we have any regulations on social or is it just the wild, wild west right now? Yeah, I, I wouldn't consider it the wild, wild west. We have a, a well-established um, corporate policy and, and corporate governance board. We have a fantastic team that monitors the conversation, that sets up the brand guidelines and the rules. And SAP has a, a, a very forward-thinking, um, established organization on how we approach this and how we work with legal teams and HR teams, and we manage this around the globe. We're also a large established organization that's been doing social for a number of years, mm-hmm. um, and I wouldn't say that the experience we have at SAP is necessarily replicated at every other large established Fortune 100, Fortune 500 organization. So I think there is a little bit of, you know, the hinterland out there that things can be a little, you know, organized chaos. I love that quote. But, mm-hmm. uh, but at SAP, I think we've got a pretty good handle on, on what it is that we're doing. There's always room for improvement, of course, but we're doing always. it well. Always. 
Good, good, good to know. And we are tweeting actively, by the way, speaking of which, uh, Malcolm Kimberlin is tweeting about our panelists, Raluca Druda from Tech, TEC, and Todd Wilms at SAP, and Tim Barker from Datasift. Tim Barker, Datasift, what's, what is your company's perspective? What do you do about social? Can we bring it, bring it to home for you a little bit, please? Yeah, so for us, I mean, we are a, we are a small company. We're, we're not in the mm-hmm. same scale as SAP. Um, and, um, you know, the, our, our, our place in the ecosystem is we work with uh, social networks as partners. So we receive data in real time from those networks, from Twitter, from Facebook, Tumblr. And then we provide access to this through applications that, our, you know, customers develop to then bring that data to them in real time. So increasingly that covers, you know, brand reputation uh, increasingly started with customer service socially. And so um, what's interesting is despite what kind of conversation you want to have on a social network, your customers are coming with an intention that really serves, you know, their, their interests. And so to pick up on the point of, um, you know, uh, going from orchestrated chaos into a more, structured um, view of this. Um, you know, there's a few companies that I think, you know, are not in highly regulated industries, but have really shown a more systematic way to try and arbitrage and respond to, to uh, social conversation. Symantec has a fantastic model called um, action, uh, actionable internet mentions. And their mm. team arbitrage um, categorize every mention about them into one of seven categories. If you think that Symantec or an antivirus company, they, mm-hmm. they have people that are looking to do fraudulent, that are fraudulently impersonating them to get people to click for downloads. So they can classify things as fraud, um, product enhancements, rants, raves, potential leads, customer cases, or queries. And so with that view of how do I go from it being a mention into something that I've essentially now um, I can workflow, I can now start to look at how do I put processes in place to respond to each of those. Not every mention of your company requires a response. Um, and, you know, exactly. some banks realize that, uh, that I want you to repeat that. To be quiet. I want you to repeat that, Well, not every that, mention of your brand require, requires a response. You, you cannot make every customer happy, unfortunately. And so, you know, going back to the auto-tweet um, uh, kind of thing I mentioned earlier, we've certainly seen issues um, with one retail bank in the U.S. that had an auto-responder to tweet back to anyone that mentioned their bank with a typical response of, hello, how can I help you? Um, unfortunately, they responded to um, Occupy Wall Street movement that were protesting outside their branch. And so that created an entire maelstrom that they just didn't anticipate. Oh, dear. Talk about scripted and prescripted and authenticity and, and authentic engagement and humanity. Oh, my goodness. Let's talk about the landscape of social today. I have a, a note here from Tim. He says social is a fast maturing market. What's next? So let's talk about you say Facebook and Twitter. Well, the establishment. Hello. How many people want to say, well, I'm part of the establishment. I'm on social media. We want excitement. We want wow. We want out there. We want to be noticed. We want to be heard. So you say people are moving to new networks tumblr instagram hello pinterest snapchat what app what app i love that one so uh todd why don't you comment what do you think of where is the choice and in terms of enterprise social media activity 
are enterprises using Instagram, Pinterest, Snapchat? I'm going to play completely naive, so don't blame me for anything I say that's wrong. <laughs> but Todd, educate us, please, on, on these different, the fast-maturing market. What do you see? Yeah, I think, I think most organizations were caught a little flat-footed when Social First came on us, you know, the last five, ten years. And so no one wants to be back in that situation where we're suddenly waking up and going, wait, what happened? The landscape just changed. So organizations are being systematic about approaching each of these new platforms and new opportunities and piloting and and engaging in some at least early rudimentary conversation on each of those. So we have teams that look at, you know, all of those platforms that you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. The thing that I think is going to be interesting for us is, the content is being well established, but now we're starting to move into more visual mediums where, you know, we're taking pictures and associating content with that. We're pulling pictures off the web and the digital rights management and the, the, um, the ownership of those assets and how they can be replayed in, the, in a public space and how we're attributing each of those. I think that's becoming a really interesting conversation for brands as they're trying to disseminate great content, but doing it with those visual pieces, whether it's a video or whether it's a photograph or whether it's a screenshot you take off the web. Todd, I hate to bring in generations in this conversation, but we really need to go there. I'm going to ask you the question, then have Raluca and Tim jump in. Are these jobs, these social media within the brand guidelines, within what's in the best interest of my company, within how do we take textual content that's textual, that is text, apply it to images, because we all know people love visuals, they respond, they react to videos and pictures, there's an emotional content there, there's a quick recognition or not. Question, Todd. Are these jobs that only millennials, pardon me, are qualified for because they're part of this, because they grew up cutting their teeth on these social landscape platforms? Todd, start us off on that. I think it's an interesting way I wanted to have all of you respond, please. Yeah, I don't necessarily buy that. Just like I don't buy the argument that you need to be old to be a leader, I don't buy the argument that you need to be a millennial to be out there um, you know, doing a tactical job and engaging in brand conversation. I think it's a great place for, you know, for young people in the marketplace to start to get their feet wet as part of the conversation that, you know, they may have some perspectives that someone who's been in the marketplace and hasn't been um, you know, brought up around these technologies can bring. And I think where it's a really powerful combination is where you have a mentoring relationship where you take someone who's been there, has been seasoned, mm-hmm. who understands the marketplace and understands the business goals and objectives and partner them up with this young, new, enthusiastic mind of a millennial, and mm-hmm. that is a force to be reckoned with. And, and I've seen organizations that have done that very well, and it's, it's a bonus for both sides of the equation. Interesting. Uh, Tim Barker and Raluca Druda, what do you think? Do you agree with Todd? Disagree? Is he on to something here? Uh, yeah, I think yeah. ultimately good judgment is what's needed on social. Um, I mean, from where, where, from where, where I kind of um, previous companies I worked at, where um, there was a maturing social team, often it sat with inside a commu- general communications PR organization. And so, um, so um, honestly, I tend to feel that good judgment is the most important thing that you'll need as you start to navigate your way through social. Of course, to some degree, we all want to create transparency between our enterprises and our consumers, but um, that comes at a cost of that amount of transparency, and so it's finding the balance of that. So uh, good judgment and, you know, in um, 
PR types, you know, young and old, have kind of lived with that for for um, since media existed. Okay, well, Luca, I heard you in the background. Talk to me. Yes, so uh, I think that we, as we navigate our way through through the social, we also have to ask questions about diversity and inclusion and accessibility. So uh, I believe that, you know, we are quite fortunate to be a part of a very diverse global economy. And we have, I think that each social community, either business or private, it would be good if they could take into account um, the fact that there are accessibility issues for some people Mm-hmm. and that perhaps th- those things need to be addressed with, uh, together with um, uh, social media platform providers like Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and so on, and uh, push those boundaries as well. Okay. I want to go to some statistics here that Tim Barker from DataSift already mentioned. They're in my notes here relating back to the Altimeter Research Report. The average enterprise owns 178 social accounts across 13 departments. Todd, how do you keep track of everybody on those social accounts who may just be jumping in because it looks good and fun, who is not part of a social team, uh, new, new employees coming on board? What if some confidential data slips through? How do you get your arms around an average enterprise? I don't even know how big that is and how many <laughs> enterprises fall into that. This seems like you need to be an octopus exponentially with so many arms and somebody needs to sit at the top and say, okay, today we're going to look and see what our people put on Pinterest. Oh, my God, there's a picture that doesn't agree with our our social standards here. What are we going to do to that employee? Todd, help me wrap my arms around this, please. It sounds huge. Well, and I think one of the things that you were just um, capturing was this idea that, you know, someone can get their hand slapped if something is slightly off of brand perception or if someone at the top of the the head of that octopus decides that they don't like the, um, you know, the the, the color scheme or some of the attributions there. So I think that's one of the things that's that's a real fear is, and that's what I believe hinders some of the conversation and hinders some of the growth mm-hmm. on social media is that, that fear. Um, I don't think that most organizations have a fully grasped handle on every conversation that's happening in every location across each one of those channels. I think what they're relying on these days is setting up strong policies, letting people know what the rules and guidelines are, a framework, if you will, and then Mm -hmm. letting their employees make good, smart judgments and decisions. And then as those circumstances happen where something needs to be addressed and um, it's something that needs to be done publicly, and there's some, some great examples out there, they come out and they have a system or a policy in place on how they're going to address those. And the brands that are doing that today are fairly well established and, and um, I think at the forefront of you know, how they're managing their brand across the, across the globe. can't say that everyone's at that stage, but um, mm-hmm. there's some you know, smart established brands that are performing at that level. Interesting. Tim, what do you think? Agree? Yeah, I think... Um, from what I've seen, um, organizations often do two tiers of, of training. Um, it's very hard to systematically create um, 
an environment to really eyeball everything that everyone is saying. But increasing, um, people are allowed to have um, lives outside work, but it's more of a question of if you are representing the company on a topic, mm-hmm. then there's an expectation by which you are, you need a standard you need to adhere to. So companies like um, Intel have done a great job of really making sure that as part of onboarding, they are giving people um, guidance, uh, recommendations, training, best practices, um, and really encouraging employees to be to engage in that market. But doing that, trying to keep to the tone of the of the conversation, and then companies like Dell have then created really successful subject matter training um, mm. programs, so that you can really engage in a topic if you are a domain expert in that to really join and join the conversation and really build influence in those networks. Interesting. Let the punishment fit the crime. We've all heard that one. That probably goes back before any of us were born. How, how? What would the punishment be if an employee went outside the guidelines? I bet it happens every day. Somebody's monitoring the monitoring the monitor. Somebody's looking and they find it. OMG, do you haul them into the executive's office, the CEO's office, and say, you've been bad, you're let go, you're fired. And then they go out and they tweet bad stuff about the company? It sounds like a, a circular reasoning to me. Raluca, what do you think? Well, I think with respect to employees, um, there, there are two sides. So one that I've mentioned earlier is the education of employees with respect of, um, uh, to the consequences of them tweeting or going on Facebook or on LinkedIn and um, uh, expressing you know, discontent with the company and so on and so forth. So they have to understand the consequences. This is one thing. And another thing... Um, companies also have to acknowledge employee rights. So Mm -hmm. uh, employee rights cannot be disregarded when social media policies are being written. And, in fact, in America, uh, the National Labor Relations Board uh, made it very clear that employees can use social media to get together and um, organize, you know, collective um, wage negotiation or benefits negotiation and so on and so forth. However, um, employees are not protected if they choose to go online and throw a fit or, mm-hmm. or something around, along those lines. So as long as companies navigate in between uh, educating employees on the one hand, listening to employees, and then, on the other hand, respecting their rights, um, I, I think they would be successful. Okay, good points all. I want to go back to something I said a couple minutes ago about the advantages of visual in social. We talked about pictures, Instagram, and Pinterest, and let's talk about the newly emerging, not newly emerging in the sense that we've all seen videos. We know videos are one of the most popular parts of social today, but the emergence of videos going viral when they affect a company's brand integrity. Uh, Todd, you gave me a great case study. I don't think you mentioned it yet on the show. Talk about a FedEx employee throwing a TV over the fence during holiday delivery. I think they had a lot of issues. Uh, Todd, give us the case study and tell us the outcome, which is a surprise. Go ahead, Todd. 
Yeah, this was a this was an interesting one. So <clears throat> a couple of years ago, FedEx there was an employee that took a you know fifty some odd inch TV, rang the bell at the gate, and then just threw the TV and packaging over the wall instead of walking around and placing it inside. And what it was caught on security cameras, and it had not only the employee but the FedEx truck in the background. So they couldn't even say that you know blame it on another mm. vendor, right? It was clearly them. The stock tanked, um, this was right around the holidays, about two years ago, around Christmas, the stock tanked for about 24 hours while this garnered about 8 or 9 million views overnight. Everybody was talking about this TV. It was being shown on Late Night. It was being shown on Leno. Everyone was um, having a conversation about this. So the next day, the head of operations for FedEx came out, and he's clearly not a seasoned PR communications um, veteran. He was nervous. You could tell he was sweating. He had a little bit of, you know, dew on his upper lip. It was not something he was comfortable with. You're so he polite. came out and gave a very sincere <laughs> apology that said, look, we have over 200,000 employees. Occasionally, we hire somebody that makes poor judgments. We've talked to this individual. We've reprimanded him. We're taking corrective action with him, and we've also gone and corrected the action with the, you know, the individual. FedEx delivers, and it went on some a number of statistics. You know, millions of packages. You know, per year, we mm -hmm. do this successfully, and every once in a while, there's an issue. We're we're heartfully sorry, and the stock rebounded and was up 15% from its high within three days, and it never wow. looked back. <clears throat> and so my point was, wow. even though that video only got about two million views compared to the eight million the word got out that fedex was was um was taking ownership taking action for its issues and serving as its own sort of brand police and was you know heartfully sorry and this person did a fantastic job of delivering that heartfelt apology so fedex was a great example of how brands can come in and manage now one of the things we we joke about is you know you only have so many of those tickets right if fedex mm -hmm. is coming in every three months and saying gee we made another mistake after a while those apologies become um, somewhat false but but you know everyone gets a, an opportunity for a, a chance to come in and make that apology we were talking earlier about the uh, sorry about uh, scheduled tweets and mm -hmm. the NRA had one the day after the Colorado shooting and it said you know the, on that that Friday who's up for some hunting <gasps> and it was clearly in bad taste but oh. it was a scheduled tweet now the NRA came out immediately after that was was published and apologized and it became a non-issue so I think if, if brands are paying attention and they're aware and they come out and they take ownership for those flubs and slip-ups, not every time, but 95%, 99% mm -hmm. of the time, they're going to be able to get a pass on that. Interesting. Viral word of mouth, things happening you don't even know, like the employee throwing the TV. And it, FedEx probably didn't hear about that until they saw it, and everybody was talking about it. It was the last to know, right? The last to know. What do they say? The wife's always the last to know. The husband's always the last to know. Okay, we won't go there. Uh, we have about two <laughs> minutes till we go to our break and well-deserved break, I must say to my panelists. We're Luca Druda from Tech and Tim Barker from DataSift and, of course, Todd Wilms from SAP. Great job. I know I put you through a marathon of paces here for a half hour with a roundtable, but I have a, a now one minute to give somebody who wants to wrap up the roundtable, who wants to just give us a summary statement or anything left over that we didn't cover that's important to you? Tim or Luca, Todd, whoever says yes first gets it. Yes. I'll add a quick okay. thing, another quick case, <laughs> a quick case study. Again, as we're looking for, 
you know, companies that are that little bit further in the future. What, a, a great company to look at is Dell here. Um, they've got a fantastic uh, process and internal system that really allows them to measure what they call the social net advocacy. It's like a net promoter score for their products, for each of their features. The reason I mention that is it, you go on any network, it's not hard to find an angry customer. Well, and, what, and your CEO will find them. And you can create firecrackers going around an organization to make them happy. Um, and really, as we mature, we need to have a more um, objective way to measure customer satisfaction. And so things like the way that Dell has approached this really gives them a very clear way to measure a voice of audience, voice of customer systematically um, and, with that, um, and to allow them to really take a measured approach for where are they failing, where can they improve, and where are they winning as well. Thank you, Tim. And I have to do a shout-out. Speaking of social media and Twitter, we have a loyal follower here named Karen Geraldo, who's on Twitter today, actively tweeting, and she poses the following question. Wondering if we could change the fear into just wise planning ahead mentalities. Great point, Karen. And Karen watches us and she tweets with us. I think she had a coffee story here. I'm looking for it actively before we go to break, but you know what? I'll find it during the break. Thank you, Karen, for joining us at Hashtag SAP Radio. Brad is telling me it's time for a break on my lead, so I'm going to take the lead here and say we're going to come right back with the crystal ball segment. I can't wait to hear what Ray Luca, Reluca Druda from Tech and Tim Barker from DataSift and Todd Wilms from SAP. I did that all for from memory, by the way, have to say about if we met again five years from today, first of all, would we remember the conversation? Yes, I know we will. Second of all, what would we be saying about social media compliance and regulation and risks and rewards? I'm Bonnie D. Graham, still, and I plan to be for quite a while ahead. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You don't even want to think of touching that dial. Predictions coming ahead. You'll want to write these down. Brad, out. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network the time for enterprise mobility is now according to idc by 2013 over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology comprising 34.9 percent of the workforce the impact of mobility on business is clear Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. 
Here we are, and I have to do a little weather report. I just heard from Brad, our engineer, that New York State Governor issued a state of emergency for New York, and his message, and mine as well, is be safe out there. We're coming off of our second snowstorm in four days. It's raining. It's raining ice pellets, I'm told. It looks pretty mushy out there, so please be safe and try to stay off the roads. Yes, yes, yes. Now we're going to do some real predictions. I wouldn't dare to predict the weather. <laughs> Not at all. I'm going to turn first to Raluca Druda from Tech and ask Raluca if we met. Five years from today, what does your crystal ball tell you, Raluca, that we would be talking about on the topic of social media compliance, the risks and rewards of regulation? Talk to me, Raluca. Um, yes, uh, five years from now, I think that there will be a plethora of uh, policies, both on, on the part of organizations and on the part of governments across the world. Uh, and I believe that... At that point, uh, a lot of organizations will have had invested in the monitoring um, of social media and will have had invested in the rebuilding of, um, you know, potentially damaged brands and so on and so forth. And another thing, another point that I would like to make is that in five years, I think that perhaps we will talk about wearable devices in mm-hmm. the same manner, how we regulate them, and uh, like we talk today about social media. And uh, I'm talking about Google Class or the Nike Fuel Band, so on and so forth. Uh, and I'm hoping that in the end, common sense will actually prevail and people will not share sensitive information on social media. And, you know, we will not leave the day where we will see confidential financial information or medical information on Facebook or Twitter. Okay, all good points. Thank you very much. We had to get the word wearables in here because everybody does on most of our shows. Very important, and they're here now. The future is today. Let's turn to Tim Barker from DataSift. What does your crystal ball tell you, Tim? Uh, well, I guess uh, if we think back the last two or three years when social caught us all in, a, in an organization um, unready, um, and we started by putting up dashboards and screens and command centers so that we could somehow engage, tame, uh, and learn from those customers. I think what we're seeing really now is um, the first step into ultimately the value that organizations can get by listening to the voice of their customers. Um, today, they listen through social because it's such a public forum. And I think what we're seeing is a journey for organizations to really look about how do they harvest the voice of the customer um, and use that to understand the root causes, the root issues that are leading to a bad experience that they can then improve uh, systematically from. You know, it's not just social that you're engaging with customers in. Mm -hmm. It's all those emails that come into your organization. It's all those forum posts that sit on your website. And so I think uh, what I hope is that organizations um, grow big ears learn to listen, and then learn to respond without it being a PR response. Very well put. Thank you very much. There's a word of caution to the wise from the wise. Todd Wilms, you're up. What does your crystal ball tell you, Todd? I know you have a lot to say. Go. Well, it's it's great going third because I have an opportunity (laughs) to uh, react to and play off of what some of the other panelists have said. I want to play a little bit off of what Tim said about, um, you know, the the wilds of, of social media. I, I think we're going to come further to this realization that, that social media can't be tamed, 
that um, that there is no uh, there is no controlling social media. But what will end up happening is I think we're going to put more fences around the corral. Meaning there's some great opportunity for entrepreneurs and some big thinkers to create programs, um, technologies. Um, you know, even some policies out there that will help us to put some fences around social media to protect some brands, protect the employees, protect the conversation. And, you know, just as we've seen a change over the last five years in growth industries and some new opportunities that didn't exist five or ten years ago, I think if we're sitting here five years from now, we're going to be looking at a whole host of um, of you know new companies and new organizations that are helping us to manage the new policies that are coming out and things like wearable are absolutely going to be a a big issue for us as we start looking at you know all these technologies that allow you to record and and promote and engage with people in real time how do we control that how do we protect people Um, it's going to be a whole new world for us i'm looking forward to it Whole new world. Quick question for you, Todd. You're last, and you get my bonus question just because we have two minutes left, and I need one of those for myself. I'm a little selfish at the end. <laughs> Todd, in terms of grooming people in the to become part of the workforce and to do this smart, to be valued employees in the social realm, is there a major right now in college or graduate school on how to be a great social media player or performer or manager in a big company? Todd, yes, no, and quick. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think there's a there's a couple of programs out there, and I've uh, I've actually had an opportunity to go speak to a couple of uh, of uh, grad um, programs and and do some guest lecturing there. I think there's some good ones out there, Great. but honestly, it really comes down to smart business sense and making smart decisions about the conversation and the brand. Yes, you can teach them the tools and technologies and the tactics, but if you if you have some smart acumen and you're a strong business leader, uh, I think that carries the day more than you know any associated MBA. Thank you very much. Good points. Time for my predictions. I wrote them down tomorrow. Oh, my goodness. It's Thursday. Startup Focus with Game Changers, Thursday, 1 p.m. Pacific. We're going to talk to a couple of startups in the retail industry and find out what is the impact they want to make, they intend to make, and they are making in retail. On next Tuesday, Biz Buzz with Game Changers, Tuesday, 9 a.m. Pacific. We're going to talk about a very interesting topic. We mentioned real-time today. Well, we're going to talk about breakthrough results from real-time business operations. There is a Mouthful. Great panel coming up next Wednesday. I've pre-recorded. I'm going out of town to a warmer climate, so there. But next week on Wednesday, 8 a.m. Pacific, Coffee Break with Game Changers, you will hear a very special show called Cloudscapes 2014, Perfect Storm, question mark. I have interviewed Jeff Kaplan from Think Strategies, Jorge Garcia at Tech, one of Raluca Druda's colleagues, and none other than Todd. Here comes Tim Minahan from SAP and asked them to pass around the crystal ball looking at cloud predictions. Great show. I know you're going to enjoy it. I want to do special thank you to Raluca Druda, Tim Barker, Todd Wilms. Wonderful panel. Appreciate your being so authentic and forthcoming and wise. All of those are valued qualities. Shout out to Sammy Chaudry at Tech for introducing us to Raluca and lots of other people. Malcolm Kimberlin, as always. A shout out to Karen Geraldo, our tweeter extraordinaire today as well. And Brad and the Business Channel team at Voice America World Talk Radio. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my closing message. Okay, Raluca, Tim, and Todd, you're my first victims here. Put your seatbelts on. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Everybody in New York, stay safe, stay dry. Talk to you tomorrow on Startup Focus with Game Changers. Bye-bye. 
Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign SAPRADIO. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week. We'll be right back.